0: Running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's evening news on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, the Democrats are doing what they said they would not do. Uh, this is a a somewhat big news now. Uh, and I told you who they were going to target. They have begun. Uh, Democrats in the Georgia have set up a group called coalition for justice. Now they are beginning uh, to pinpoint Republican moderates in the state house of representatives, and they are beginning to badger them about David Ralston may had the beginnings of turning this into a campaign issue. They can't actually target these Republicans until they've done a campaign of calling them out for not doing anything. So they're doing it now. Uh, Let me read you the list of people that they are targeting with the exception of one. They're all in the Metro Atlanta area. Chuck Martin, Sharon Cooper, Uh, Jan Jones, uh, Houston Gaines is in the, the Athens area, and Deborah Silcox. What they're doing is urging you to call them to tell David Ralston he needs to resign. Let me read you their call script. Since becoming Speaker of the Georgia General Assembly... In 2010, House Speaker David Ralston has misused the privileges of his office to benefit rapists, child abusers, drunk drivers, and other clients of his private law practice. Ralston exploited Georgia law to delay trials by years, depriving victims of a timely trial, justice, or even simple closure. Over the past nine years, he has delayed 226 cases, a total of 966 times, so that he can campaign and fundraise for his reelection efforts. Georgia doesn't need that kind of corruption. Urge Houston Gaines, Deborah Silcox, Chuck Martin, Jan Jones, um, uh, Sharon Cooper, and the like, uh, to do the right thing and call on Speaker Ralston to resign. Boom, there you have it. I told everybody this was going to happen. And, you know, what's so interesting is Democrats went out and and they were conducting interviews. Bob Trammell in the state house of representatives told the agency, oh, no, we're not going to use this issue. No, we think that's not an issue people are paying attention to. Why would we do that? And, of course, you had Republican legislators Idiots that they are. say, See, see, we don't have to do anything. Bob Trammell says the Democrats aren't going to do anything. Guess what? (laughs) You idiots fell for it. Yes. So, uh, you know what's so funny about this? I I don't know who put this together. Coalition for Justice Now and the O in Now is, is green with the fist in the air, the la resistance fist. Yeah, this is, this is um, all the, the symbology of the Democratic Party calling for people to stand up, resist, and, and oust Republicans and doing it over this. And here's the thing. Look at who they're targeting. They're targeting swing district Republicans. They're targeting the seats that they need to take back the House next year. Now, here's what's going on. Just so you understand, um, the David Ralston told people in an off-the-record meeting at Barnsley Gardens a while back, Hi, Barnsley, I miss you, um, <laughs> that he wasn't going to leave because he wasn't going to have some loud mouth on radio beating. That would be me. Uh, what he would rather do is have the Democrats beat uh, the Republican conference. Pride comes before the fall. He is willing to take out his entire Republican conference uh, just so I can't say I want, you know what, if he wants to step down tomorrow, we'll never mention him again. I'll, I'll never say I told you so or or I won, you lost, anything like that. He, he can step down tomorrow and bygones, we'll move on. Now, the, the reality is the reason he needs to move on, the reason he needs to resign is not because I want to win or something to crow about on radio, it's because it's the right thing for him to do. It is absolutely the right thing for him to do. But beyond it being the right thing for David Ralston to do, the reality is that the Democrats are going to use it against the Republicans next year. If the Repo- if David Ralston, and, and, and here's the thinking from people close to the speaker, is that this is his last term. He's not going to run again. He will get through this legislative session, and then he will announce he's going so that he's not on the ballot in November. The problem here is this. If Republicans allow him to leave on their own terms, it still becomes a problem for the Republicans. If they allow him to leave on his own terms after the session is over, they've allowed him to retire peacefully and gracefully. That will come back to haunt them. So this is what the Democratic strategy is right now. They're going around and they're targeting these members of the legislature. Right now, it's Deborah Silcox, Jan Jones, Sharon Cooper, Chuck Martin, and Houston Gaines. All of them are in districts that are swing districts. All of them are in districts. The Democrats are pouring vast resources into take. And what they're going to do is have people call, have progressive activists call. Deborah Silcox is going to get called by a bunch of people. And... Those people are going to demand that she take action. She's not going to take action. She's not going to reach out to the speaker. She's not going to sign on to the resolution calling on the speaker to be gone. And what they're going to do is these people who are calling, they're going to be tracked down by the Coalition for Justice Now. The Coalition for Justice Now will go to them and they will say, hello, You used our system to call Deborah Silcox, Houston Gaines, Sharon Cooper, uh, Chuck Martin, Jan Jones. They did not take the action you requested them to. Will you please be in an advertisement with us on TV, on radio, by a robocall? And they will say yes. So then you will have the victim who will come on and say, I was raped and my trial was delayed for almost a decade Because David Ralston kept delaying the case and the Republicans protected him. And then you will have the person who called these individuals say, I called Houston Gaines, Deborah Silcox, Jan Jones, Sharon Cooper, Chuck Martin, and told them they needed to tell the speaker to resign and they did nothing. And then you'll have the victim come back on and say, David Ralston denied me justice. And then the person will come back on and say, and the Republicans denied us justice. And then it'll say, it's time for the Republicans to go. They couldn't stand up to their speaker. They won't stand up for victims. They'll never stand up for you. Paid for by Coalition for Justice Now. It writes itself. The script writes itself. They're coming for you, Republicans. And you're too dumb to take affirmative action to to ward this off. You, You won't do what you need to do. Defensive measures, you're being targeted and you'll stay there with like deer in headlights because you're too scared of the speaker to get rid of him. He's going to take you people out with him and you'll have deserved to lose. Republicans, if you want to win next November, you don't need to call us. You need to call for David Ralston to resign. The Democrats are targeting you. Now, here's the thing. Uh, You've got an outstanding resolution. Republicans in the state house have an outstanding resolution. That outstanding resolution calls for David Ralston to step aside. The reason I am told by a ton of people, the reason that Very few of them will come forward on this is because if David Ralston, this is the other brilliant point here of of why the Republicans probably deserve to lose the House next year. And I don't know that they're going to, but they might deserve to. Here's why. If David Ralston were to resign right now, Jan Jones would become Speaker of the House. She's the Speaker pro tem. So the Republicans would head into the campaign season of November next year, and they would have a female Speaker of the House of Representatives who's a suburban mother whose kids went to public school. And they don't want to do that. See, there are a number of people who want to be Speaker. And if Jan Jones becomes Speaker, they'd have a hard time ousting a woman from the Speaker's seat. Uh, It would be played up by the media. It would be played up by the Democrats that they ousted the Speaker. And not all of them think that Jan Jones should be Speaker if they don't think she would be the most effective Speaker. Whether or not she would or not, she's actually really conservative. She would be really good. But you've got other ambitious people in the State House— and they don't want her to be speaker because they want to be speaker. And if she becomes speaker because they've got David Ralston to resign, well, then they're not going to be able to come speaker. And so uh, they're more interested in themselves having power than they are actually doing anything. So this is very much like, um, oh, what should we call it? Uh, Paradise Lost, Milton's Paradise Lost, where, where the, the demons that they would rather um, serve in, in hell than actually serve a rule in hell than serve in heaven they would milton essentially cast heaven as this divine monarchy benevolent monarch and hell as this this parliament of of demons and the demons they didn't want to serve in heaven they wanted power in hell and that's very much like the Republican Conference and the State House of Representatives. you got a lot of people who they just want power. They don't want to do the right thing. They don't actually want to govern. They don't actually want to lead. They just want power. They want power for the sake of power. They want another resume. They want access to the parties. They, they, they want to get the campaign contributions. They want to get a good gig as a lobbyist. Many of them, you got to remember, were Democrats until the Republicans began to keep, acquire power in Georgia. Then suddenly, very conveniently, they changed the letter next to their name from a D to an R, and they're still there. So they got a real vested interest in keeping the speaker around, even if it means the Republicans lose the House of Representatives, because the Republicans may lose the House, but they will not lose power. Look on the Democratic side, if you don't believe me, a lot of the exact same Democrats who were there when they are in the majority are still there now in the minority, and they still have a lot of cloud and power. And so these guys, they do not want Jan Jones to be speaker because they want to be speaker. And so they will not do the right thing. They will not stand up and tell the speaker, you need to go now. We're starting to get blown up because you were too stupid to do what you did. And you did. And now they're coming after us. They they don't want to do that because they know if they're in the minority, it's okay. You may have Democrats in charge, but they'll have power. And that's what counts for them. Not the good of the state, not the good of the people, not the good of the constituents, their own power and their ability to get lobbyist cash. That's unfortunate. But that, again, is probably why uh, the Republicans maybe need a drubbing next year. So they learn this lesson. If they're not going to clean up their own house, this is very, very, very much like uh, the Republicans in 2006 in Washington. You had a bunch of Republicans who were getting indicted for corruption by the Bush administration, and none of them would step aside. None of them wanted to step down. They were perfectly fine serving in the minority because they would still have power, and the Republicans wouldn't clean themselves up, and the voters got fed up with the corruption, and the voters tossed them out and put Nancy Pelosi in charge. And many of these Republicans, until they went off to jail, they stayed and they were just fine. It was all the other guys who lost. Again, a lot of people who are elected, they're like the demons in, in Paradise Lost. They would perfectly be happy to uh, rule in in hell so long as they didn't have to serve in heaven. For many of us, our blinds, whatever you use for your windows, they're just an afterthought. Window treatments, they call them. But with brand new made-to-order custom window coverings from Blinds.com, you can really transform the look and feel of your entire house. When they're right, everything in your home looks better. When they're wrong... Your house can look cheap, and when you need new blinds, there's one place to go, blinds.com. Let me tell you about my experience with blinds.com. I wasn't even using them as a podcast endorser. I just used them because we've got some Charleston-style faux wood shutters in our house, And in our guest bedroom, they were warping and buckling for some reason. Needed to get them replaced. I didn't know where the people who built the house had got them from. I went to blinds.com. I found some that were very, very similar. Was able to measure, match them up. They sent me a sample. Made sure they looked. Did it all for free. Didn't have to worry about screwing it up. They would take care of it. Sure enough, got them right. They look good. I got better blinds. And they're not warping and buckling like the ones whoever built this house did. With 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. And I'm one of those reviews. Blinds.com is America's number one online retailer for affordable quality custom window coverings. Blinds.com makes the whole experience fast and easy. Every order gets free samples, free shipping and free online design consultation. Send them a picture of your house. They send back custom recommendations from a professional for what works with your color scheme, furniture, specific rooms. They'll even send you free samples to make sure everything looks as good in person as it does online for a limited time time. My listeners get $20 off at Blinds.com when you use promo code ERIC. That's Blinds.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. For $20 off, you get faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, a whole lot more. Blinds.com. The promo code is Eric. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, I want you to stick around when we come back. I, I talked to Chris Burns earlier from Dynamic Money. A lot of you have kids who you've either headed off to college with them or you're about to move them into dorms. And one of the very first things they are going to be ambushed with is a credit card and I wanted to talk to him about getting your kids in financial shape. And if you're like me, you know, my kids are, are years away from college. Uh, we've got a 13 year old and a 10 year old. It's coming sooner than I, I want, but uh, not soon enough, maybe for, for some. And uh, what do you do? How do you get your kids ready? So I talked to Chris about these things. Want to want to walk you through some of his advice. Meanwhile, this is, of course, of course this is happening. The media is taken aside on Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A. So Popeye's has a new fried chicken sandwich that's come out, a spicy fried chicken sandwich. And by all accounts, it is really good. I need to go get one because I'm from Louisiana. I'm a big Popeye's fan. But of course, the media has decided to turn it into a political thing that uh, if you want a fried chicken sandwich now, liberals, you have a place where you can go get a good one because you don't want to go to Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is bad. I, I kid you not, this is being turned into a political thing. The New Yorker kicked it off. It's now being picked up by other publications. Uh, I'm seeing left-wing pundits and even some reporters who don't want to go eat at Chick-fil-A to uh, praise Popeye's. Oh, it's a good friend. By the way, Wendy's has had a really good spicy fried chicken sandwich for a while. It, it's a very good, it's it's probably my favorite. I like the Wendy's one better than the, than the Chick-fil-A one. Although I got to tell you, the the smokehouse bacon... Uh, grilled chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. I, I hope they keep that sucker on the menu because that is a good sandwich. But this whole thing is ridiculous. Turning a fried chicken sandwich from Popeyes into some sort of political statement because you're too bigoted to go eat at the at Chick-fil-A because you hate Christians so much. Uh, that just that's that speaks more to the poor character of the people who refuse to eat at Chick-fil-A than it does to the quality of any sandwich. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but hey. I really like Popeyes. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, the phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, is 404 750 1 WSB Talk. I sat down earlier. Uh to talk to my buddy Chris Burns from Dynamic Money. You can go to dynamicmoney.com if you want to learn more. If you're if you got kids and you want to learn how to help your kids with finances, Chris is a great person to talk to. Uh, you can hear him here on Sundays as well on his Dynamic Money radio show. Uh or go to dynamicmoney.com. And I, I really wanted to talk to Chris about uh, kids going to college and, and how do you get them prepped for college? What do you do? How do you get engaged? They're, they're going to encounter credit cards and stuff. So um, it, I wanted to, to play you some of the clips in, in of our interview. And one of the things I wanted to ask him was just how do you begin getting kids ready to prepare for college?
1: But I think it really comes back to how they're prepped prior to getting to school. Mm-hmm. And there was this trending topic on Twitter uh, that I know you saw that was, was you know, what, what advice would you give college freshmen? And my number one advice is avoid credit cards. Like That's just not what you need in your life. That's, it's, a, it's not the right start. But the flip side of this is there's some really practical things you said you have. Uh, is it 13 year old is 13 13? and a 10 year old yeah so i'm 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 15 and 13 we're right on the edge of a driver's license at this point um, which is freaking me out but it's how can we train our kids when they're their teenagers so that when they go to college they're ready for this what does that actually look like and I, and i was excited when you said you wanted to talk about it cuz it, it it's a it's a big topic i had i had a, a major client who um, their daughter called me and she was graduating from a well-known school around here. And so, had you know, and very intelligent, gone through all the curriculum and called me and said, hey, I just got offered uh, or I'm applying to a job. They want to know the salary range that I'm looking for. Could you help me? And I said, well, sure. Well, I said, well, you know, where are you looking to live? She said, I want to live in Midtown. I said, okay, great. What do rents look like down there? She said, "Oh, well, I don't know. I said, okay, well, how much would you expect you'd need, you know, for food? And she goes, well, I have no idea. I said, okay, well... This goes back to a deeper issue. Both of her parents were doctors. Both were incredibly financially savvy. Mm -hmm. And their daughter has literally zero idea of how do I prep for this? And she's done with college. So if we don't catch our kids in high school and teach them some of these fundamentals, we're leaving them totally exposed when they graduate.
0: Yep, I totally agree with that. I I did not learn financial skills, business skills growing up. uh, And and here's more of what Chris said on his advice on how to begin, where to begin, when to begin.
1: I've said this before, but I think there's nothing more powerful than this. You get your kids around the kitchen table and you get out literally, it might take you a few weeks to do this, but you get out enough cash, actual real dollars, not monopoly money, of what you would earn in a month. Gross, okay? And then... You sit your kids down, their eyes get as big as saucers, but then you start taking off the table all the different things that have to come out of that. So first is taxes. Whoop, there goes a ton of it, right? And then is, well, here's how much is pulled out for my benefits and my 401K, and here's how much we have to pull out for our food budget, and here's how much has to go out you know, for Christmas presents we're already budgeting for, etc. And they watch this actual pile of money get smaller and smaller and smaller because what most kids never see, what most teenagers never see, is the actual reality of that paycheck. They look at how much you make on your check and it seems like boundless money and they don't understand all that goes into being an adult. Right, Right? So you start with that, and it kind of blows their mind a little bit because it's concrete and it's real, and especially when you're 12 or 13, that has a massive impact. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you get them their own bank account. I know Capital One has all sorts of issues right now because of the breach, but I actually have used that with my kids. They have something called a money account, zero fees, that what I love about it is I can jump on the Capital One app, I can see everything they're doing, but they have their own accounts now, and so if your kids are working, like I was at 14, I've worked at a Regal Cinemas and a Smoothie King and whatever, they can get direct deposits into that account, right? But mm. even if they're not working, maybe they're just super involved at school and theater or sports or whatever, you can basically now give them an allowance like a direct deposit and help them start seeing how does this work? How does digital money work? Because that's the world they're walking into.
0: Now... He also gave some hard advice and I got to sit down and and I I, want to actually sit down with Chris and and get him to help my wife and me prepare for this and and get our own finances in order. You know, I've mentioned the Dave Ramsey program and I've talked to Chris about that. My wife and I, we we keep procrastinating on it. We need to do it. I want to sit down with Chris and, and help him or let him help us with it. This is some very tough advice that he gives here, and I think he's right. Here's Chris Burns on how do you really begin these conversations with your kids?
1: But the number one thing I recommend, and this is the hardest thing for most parents, and I'll I already admit it up front, is you've got to be vulnerable and open enough to show your kids your finances. Oof. And some parents go, heck no. I, I don't want I made mistakes I, there's things I don't want I don't want to know about the debt we have, etc There is nothing that's a more powerful teacher to your kids than being able to see this is what it actually looks like mm-hmm. like mom or dad earns this much, but this is what happens to those this is how they're saving for the future this is the mistakes they've made. I never learned any of that I love my family they never showed me any of that right. And I remember graduating from college, my first full-time job, they offered me $32,000 a year. And I literally had the thought, I don't know what I would do with all that money. Would I give it away? Like, I mean, what in the world? Because I had no concept of how much it, it, what the real world of money looked like. And so it's a, when you show your kids, this is our actual life. This is how this runs. This is how we save. These are the mistakes that we've made. You are totally opening their eyes to something that no one else is going to teach them, unfortunately, in our current system.
0: Now, what about the credit cards? He's got some good recommendations here. Listen to this.
1: Truly, as a freshman in college, avoid credit cards like the plague. You don't need that. You don't want that. You don't need to be sitting, studying for an exam, worrying about a card payment you haven't made. That's suddenly charging you 18% interest and going, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? Okay. Okay. But as you progress through college, the goal is that you walk out the door and that you have some sort of credit built in the ability to go, you know, purchase a car if you need to, or within a few years, purchase a house. And the earlier you start with credit, that's very helpful. So I would say once you're a sophomore or junior, it is time to get that credit card. But the question is, what kind of card do you get? so that you don't end up doing what honestly both of us did, which is get a card and then spend it to the limit and then go, oh crap, what do I yeah. do, right? my There are all sorts of student credit cards out there, but that's actually not my advice. My advice is what's called a secured credit card. You can actually go to Nerd Wallet, one of my favorite sites in the world, and they give you a list of the best secured credit cards. Top of that list, again, happens to be Capital One, but here's why I like these. You have to have skin in the game. So you put in you know, a few hundred dollars, whatever it is, there's some amount of money that you have to put in. And then they give you a credit line that's based off of what you put in, plus, you know, any sort of work history you have, et cetera. And if you make consistent payments, they slowly start to increase that credit line, but it's your money going in. And so again, it's incentivizing students to use their own money. So now you have skin in the game. It's not just free money and then to be really healthy, and it slowly builds a credit line. But it's still gonna reflect to those credit agencies, like you have a credit card, and it's gonna start building your credit. But because you have some skin in the game, it changes the way you think about it.
0: That was Chris Burns, Dynamic Money. A few more thoughts from him when we come back on how to get your kids ready to go off to college and, and experience the financial temptation of easy access to credit cards and the like. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, wsb talk uh, Spend some time talking to my buddy Chris Burns from Dynamic Money about uh, getting your kids ready for college and how to learn finances, particularly if, if like me, you grew up in... You really didn't talk to your parents about that stuff. You, you didn't really learn a, a financial sense per se or a business sense. Uh, one more thing, uh piece of advice from Chris. Again,
1: in my opinion, the more you can do to put, and some students don't like this, but, but trust me, it, it, it matters. The more you can do to put restrictions on yourself and learn this and treat it as a, treat college as kind of this learning time of how to figure this out instead of, Fling the doors open. Let's 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 have a credit line and go after it. Right, you're going to be so much better off in your 20s. You're going to be light years ahead of friends uh, once you get out of school. So, take it slow. Start with a secured card. Uh, And there's all sorts of other discussions here. If you're earning income, what kind of account can you open to start seeing how the stock market works? I mean, there's lots of things you can do, uh, but my advice is to one step at a time so that by the time you're out of college, you truly feel like, you know what? I, I think I might be ready for this adulting thing.
0: And one more piece of advice from him.
1: There's this generational thing in America, and I still work with clients all the time like this. I mean, clients in their 50s whose parents that are in their 80s they have no idea their financial situation Mm -hmm. because it was totally off limits. We don't talk about this, right? Right. But that is the biggest disservice you can do to your children. There's nothing better for your children than to actually see this is how this works. It's not magic, especially if you have any level of affluence or are doing well, that your kids don't expect that's just gonna happen for them because we see all these college graduates coming out expecting to make really unrealistic salaries And then suddenly forced to live in the real world and try to figure this out on their own. And that's where they're making these massive mistakes. So if we can head that off when they're in high school, what a difference that makes by just them seeing your life. And boy, talk about developing the relationship, too, when you're willing to be vulnerable with your children to a point, to a healthy point, and say, I'm not perfect. Look at the mistakes we've made Man, it feels approachable. Your children will want to come talk to you now and ask you real questions because they see that you're not trying to present this, you know, perfect image to them of what life looks like.
0: Yep. Uh some sound advice from Chris. Again, you can go to dynamicmoney.com. Uh, reach out to Chris if you got questions, want to talk to your kids, want to get your kids ready for college, want to get them uh, over the credit card temptation and then help them start building credit. You know, that is one of the most bizarre things about American society, is it not? I'm going through this with a friend right now who has been saving his money diligently for a down payment on a house uh, and has no credit. Uh, he doesn't have a car payment. He pays for everything in cash, so no no credit card, no car payment, nothing like that. Well, guess what? Uh, <laughs> credit rating sucks like that. So you got to go in debt in American society in order to be able to uh, get a mortgage for a house and stuff like that. It's just crazy. Tell you something else that's crazy. The media is out trying to shame ABC because Sean Spicer is going to be in Dancing with the Stars. And reporters are absolutely outraged that ABC would let him do this. It's absolutely ridiculous. running lift off. we have a lift off. hello and welcome it is eric erickson here atlanta's evening news on wsb the phone number you want to be a part of the program 404 872 750 wsb talk barack obama he and his wife michelle buying a a multi-million dollar mansion in martha's vineyard Uh, I don't care. Uh, and you shouldn't care either. It is very interesting though, that the guy who said that at some point you you make enough money and not everybody needs a house on Martha's Vineyard. He, he, he wants the house on Martha's Vineyard. Um, this is one of my, my chief frustrations with so many of the Democrats today. They want to tell you, uh, how much money you can make and then they want to make more. And, but here's the thing. I, I don't care that Barack Obama has a house and I'm a little bit jealous. It's a beautiful house. Uh, one day I want to make enough money to build my own house on a lot of land with no neighbors and then maybe at least be able to rent a beach house. Um, heck, I can't even find a place to go to the mountains for a Labor Day weekend. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful house, and I don't fault him for it. But it is a little weird. If, can, can we admit it? It's just a little strange that Barack Obama has a house because he's a multimillionaire, and he's a multimillionaire because he was a public servant. Now, he didn't get rich in office uh, on his salary as president. It was the book deals. It's the Netflix deal and all that. But if Barack Obama had not been a Democratic president of the United States, he would not have the Netflix deal. George W. Bush doesn't have a Netflix deal. I I assure you Donald Trump's not going to get a Netflix deal. But Barack Obama does because he was an acceptable liberal president. He's got a book deal. His wife sold a a book. My wife actually loved that book. It wasn't a super, um, wasn't a super political book, but it, it just, um, it's just, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to see public servants getting rich because they've been public servants. And I don't I don't fault him at all. Congratulations for him uh, being able to live it up like that after years of of knocking people who becomes who are successful and and it just it, it is not him either. We see I mean for example Harry Reid was a poor boxer from Nevada and wound up living in the Ritz Carlton in Washington D.C. Mitch McConnell married wealthy. Uh, and has more wealth now. You got a, Republicans and Democrats alike acquire massive amounts of wealth while in office through side gigs, getting their kids good jobs and stuff like that. It, it is an aristocracy the way the founders never intended. Now, all of that being said, um we need to move on to Sean Spicer and Dancing with the Stars. yeah, I know, you're you're wondering what. So, first of all, Sarah Sanders is, is, it's announced today she's going to be a political contributor to Fox News. And the media is livid. They're upset. They're outraged. Uh, why? They weren't outraged when Jake Carney left the White House press secretary's job and did something at CNN as a political contributor. He's now at, I think, Amazon. They're never upset when Democrats leave the White House and get political contributor jobs, but they're upset that Fox hired Sarah Sanders. But they're really livid that ABC has retained Sean Spicer for Dancing with the Stars. He'll be on Dancing with the Stars. And Brian Stetler at CNN is livid, livid that ABC would do this. So, listen. There, there's no reason to stay on this, this topic forever, but it is worth pointing out that uh, the very same reporters, including Brian Stetler at CNN, who are really upset about this, were okay with CNN hiring people who work for the Obama administration who openly laughed about lying. Remember, uh, some of Obama's staffers, they said, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. It was lie of the year. They laughed about writing the lie. They admitted they knew it wasn't true when Barack Obama said it. Or the Iran deal. The Iran deal, they lied about the Iran deal. They openly bragged about using reporters, feeding certain reporters false information. They knew the reporters wouldn't question it. They would run with it. And they were okay getting those people. They were okay having them on CNN. They were okay with their success. But Sean Spicer wasn't on their side. And that's the thing here. That's why this is so petty and vindictive and why so many people hate the press. Because everybody knows if Sean Spicer was a Democrat, if he worked for a Democratic administration and he stroked the egos of the press while lying every single day, they'd be totally okay with it. But he didn't stroke the egos of the press. And so now they're out to get him. It is petty. It is vengeful. It is ridiculous. That is kind of what we've come to expect by the media, unfortunately. Um, It's that kind of double standard it is sort of like so they're putting St- um Joe Walsh and Anthony Scaramucci up as big contenders against the president here is Anthony Scaramucci on CNN well we have to make sure he loses in every swing state and so what we have to do is we have to bring a coalition of willing republicans that know
1: how diseased he is as a human being and yeah. we have to we have to bring it into those swing states to make sure he loses in every single swing state okay so, listen. so i'll i'll
0: i'll 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 lead that process and i'll put my own dough in uh yeah okay he'll put his own dough in um notice how the media is giving this guy inordinate attention he he was a man the media ridiculed And they didn't want on TV because he attacked the press and defended the president. They wanted to shame and shun him too. But the moment Anthony Scaramucci turned on the president, suddenly it was worth having him on all the time. You know, I can give you a very good example of this. I was on TV all the time until the moment I said, I'm not a big fan of the guy, but I'm voting for the guy in 2020 because the Democrats are nuts. The moment I said I was going to support Trump in 2020, suddenly I'm not on TV all the time. I did get a request to be on CNN tonight uh, after 8 o'clock, or yeah, at 8 o'clock. And I couldn't, uh, otherwise I would have done that. But that's the first request for a TV interview I've gotten since I think March. And they were coming steadily every single week. I was having to tell people, no, I couldn't just because I was overwhelmed. But the moment you say you're going to support the president, nope, you're out. I see that CNN today is is um, uh, shuttling Jack Kingston off to the side. They're, they say they're trying to find other voices. I don't know that they necessarily are, who are people who can defend the president, but maybe don't necessarily like everything the president does. I, I certainly don't like everything the president does, but I'm certainly willing to praise him when he gets things right. For example, uh, the president deserves a lot of credit for the situation in Venezuela. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that the president is um he's he is making inroads in Alsty Maduro and wouldn't it be nice if search engines and social media sites were unbiased platforms that didn't choose a side politically keep dreaming In 2016, there were tech elite out there bragging about donating millions of dollars to Hillary. You got big tech companies that push political agendas that restrict free speech rights of conservatives. At the very same time, they're the corporations we're trusting to handle our personal data online. I don't really know that you want to give them your web history, your email metadata, or your video searches, That's why you may want to consider ExpressVPN every time you go online. Big tech companies can match your internet activity to your identity or location using your public IP address, even if you're not worried about your privacy, just the serving of ads to you. Well, when you use ExpressVPN, the tech companies can't see your IP address, so your identity is masked. It's made anonymous by secure VPN servers. Plus, ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from hackers and internet bad guys. Well, it's not complicated, even though you may think it is. ExpressVPN software takes just a minute to set up on your computer or phone. You tap one button and you're protected. So if you believe internet data belongs to you and not to big internet companies, use ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash eric. That's expressvpn.com slash eric for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash eric to learn more. Well, we did not have a winner for the 95.5 WSB free gas giveaway. That means you'll have a chance to win $600 tomorrow at 8 a.m. on 95.5 WSB. Listen at 8 during Atlanta's morning news. If you're not registered for free gas, go to wsbradio.com. Now, I'm going to go to Tyson and Canton. You're going to be first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I wanted to try to see if you can answer this question either today or this week. It's about talking points. How do the Democrats, the DNC, or is it a puppet master that puts out these talking points that seem to be just so they can just control the whole narrative? No matter what they're talking about, if they want to bash a person or bash up what the president's doing or talk about something else, it seems like they can articulate their talking point across the whole spectrum. And we're just puppets. To OK, to. so, it, it, well, it's no grand conspiracy. Um, you got to keep in mind a couple of things. There are some illist, illist serves out there like Google Groups and now Slack channels where a lot of reporters and Democratic pundits get together and trade notes. Uh, they, they are very chummy because they, they float in and out of each other's lives and organizations. You've also got groups like the uh, Center for American Progress that has a media relations team where many reporters out there came from left-wing think tank world, so they maintain relationships. So they're all there together. It's not a coordinated thing. I used to think from the outside, that there was some sort of coordinated thing. Everybody gets a little memo. Everybody goes out and says, I got the memo. Here's what we need to say. We need to start doing this. That's not actually the way it works at all. Uh, What happens is all of these people live together, work together, play together, sleep together. And so they're all having the same conversations all the time. And so just as you and your friends start talking about things in the same way, they and their friends start talking about things the same way you got a friend, he says something uh, witty about the Braves, you're going to repeat it to your friend, your friends are going to repeat it, you're going to circulate it back to each other, you're going to amplify each other, that's what happens with the media and the press and the Democrats. Take, for example, the climate crisis stuff. So the Guardian in London comes out with a story and says, you know, we need to stop talking about climate change. We need to start talking about climate crisis. Then you had uh, people at Vox.com circulate. Oh, this is a smart piece. Yes, we should say uh, climate crisis. Well, then other reporters see, it. You and know, they're like, yeah, you know, that's not a bad idea. We, we, I need to run this up the flagpole with my editor. See if I can start talking about it that way. Then you get Democratic politicians saying, "Ooh, ooh, we could advance some agenda if we believe crisis. And, and then they all get together at the dinner table or, or at the restaurant or, or the, the weed shop. And they all start talking about it. And yeah, you know, that, that, that was a thoughtful piece at the Guardian today about climate crisis. Let's all start using climate crisis instead. That's the way it works is you don't really get a memo. Now I will say this when it comes campaign time, both parties do send out memos and those memos typically will go to pundits who are regularly engaged on television And they will send the memos to the pundits regularly engaged on television with some helpful talking points if, if, if those pundits have a relationship with the party. Now, when I was at CNN, I refused to take the Republican talking points. I I knew people who were on CNN who were Republicans who would take the memo, who would read the memo, who would go with the talking points. Uh, And there were Democrats frequently who would do it as well. When I was at Fox, the Republicans never really had to send out memos because everybody kind of talked about things in the same way. Uh, But Democrats would certainly come in and they would have rebuttal talking points because they had people who watched Fox 24-7, knew what the topics were going to be, knew how the Republicans on Fox were talking about stuff. And the Democrats would send out helpful memos to the Democrats on how you rebut what we Republicans were going to say. But it's not really some sort of grand conspiracy of the Democrats sit in a room and say, we need to push out this talking point. No, it's really, they're all buddy-buddy with each other. They're talking about this stuff all the time, uh, sharing information. And so it just happens somewhat organically over time. You know, this Joe Walsh thing, what's so funny about it is... So i I'm you know I still get a hate mail from people who say i'm I'm not being nice to the president. i'm I'm voting for the man in 2020 because I look at the Democrats and they're totally insane. Uh, the president is insane too, but his policies are sound. The Democrats don't seem insane, but their policies are. Uh, so I'm going with the president. I, I can take the the abnormal behavior and the want to buy Greenland. I personally think we should invade Greenland. Uh, and, and with the normal policies of defunding Planned Parenthood and, and gutting the regulatory state versus uh, sane Democrats who who seem reasonable and nice on TV, who want to impose socialism, give illegal aliens health care benefits while taking our benefits away, I'm, I'm totally fine going with Donald Trump in that regard. I, I, I am. Uh, what I find interesting is guys like Joe Walsh, who in 2016 were blasting people like me for standing on conviction, saying character counts, I'm not voting for either of these people. And by the by the time he got to November, he is is fully on board the 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 Trump train blasting anyone who criticizes the president. And how much of that was because he really thought he was going to lose Trump was going to lose? I mean I at least tell you what I think. Uh, and you, you may not like it. Uh, some of you got really mad at me in, in 2016, 2017. Uh, and this this he's going to run for president now because uh, he thinks President Trump is an abomination. Listen, I wish there was a better candidate, but there's not. And there's nobody's going to run in the Republican primary. So your choice is going to be one of any m- amount of insane Democrats. Versus a guy who seems a little crazy, but his policies haven't been that bad other than tariffs. And I got to tell you, the tariffs are starting to have an impact. Del Monte Foods is laying off 867 people because the tariffs have driven up their costs so much on aluminum and steel, uh, both for manufacturing machine parts and for the cans in which they store their goods. They're having to lay off 867 people. Uh, the Federal Reserve is reporting, see, according to CNBC, that average take-home pay in the country is down $1,000 a year because of these uh, tariffs. U.S. Steel, which is, if we can can concede it, it's an incompetently run company to begin with, it's shutting down a plant, laying off a few hundred people, and now the Labor Department is warning they expect that uh, the new higher rate to be lower than expected. Tariffs are having an impact. The president should get rid of the tariffs. I, I don't understand if the president understands, if the president realizes that he is hurting his reelection chances. By hurting the economy, there are a lot of people in the suburbs who claim to be social conservatives and they're really not. They only care about their 401k. And I think it makes a difference. Now, let me talk about some Georgian news here real quick. Uh, casino gambling coming back up. Uh, Parimutuel betting for horse racing coming back up. The reason is because the legislature, the state, they want to find new revenue. They want to find new revenue because the governor has asked uh, state agencies to begin making cuts, and he's asked them to begin making cuts because the economic forecast over the next two years does not look good. And this has nothing to do about Democrats talking down the economy. You know, if you go back to the year 2000, Dick Cheney and George W. Bush were blasted for supposedly talking down the economy, they weren't talking down the economy. They were telling the truth. The economy was slowing down. It looked like we were headed into recession. The same thing's happening now. If you don't talk about it, then suddenly everybody's caught off guard when it hits. You do talk about it. Suddenly you're talking down the economy. No, we're not. Germany's already headed into recession. So so is China and Japan. Uh, the Democrats are not talking down recession in those countries. They just happen to have already had economic slowdowns in those countries. It's going to have an impact on us too. Now, our economy is stronger. We may very well be able to re- avoid recession. We we actually could avoid recession. But that doesn't mean we're not going to slow our growth. Might as well start preparing for it, and that's what the governor's doing. He is preparing for slower growth. So what uh, David Ralston, the state house speaker, is doing is he wants to explore casinos now. He's suddenly on board, uh, setting up a committee to study bringing casinos into the state of Georgia. Oh, man, I, I got I to gotta read you before I get there. I got to read you a tweet. This is from a Midland, Texas criminal defense attorney I, I'm seeing circulating on social media now. I took dance for 17 years. I love dancing with the stars, but Trump has ruined everything for me. I hate every PGA golfer that golfs with him. I hate the NFL for giving in to him. And now I hate Dancing with the Stars. Seriously, he is infesting all of America's pastimes. You know, this isn't an act of choice on someone's part. Her hashtag is Boycott Dancing with the Stars. This is an act of choice from her to be miserable. You don't have to let politics invade everything like, like the New Yorkers doing with the Popeye's chicken sandwich, which I intend to have. It's just ridiculous. Now... Um, here are my thoughts on casinos. I'm not opposed to gambling. I, I go to Vegas probably once a year. I don't gamble. I don't have a problem with you gambling. Uh, I go for other reasons. And uh, I took my wife out there for a ZZ Top concert in January. I, I don't have a problem with with gambling. I don't do it because I work really hard for my money and I don't want to throw it away. Um, which I would. So I don't gamble. But if you want to, God bless you, go for it. But Vegas is in the desert for a reason, and all of these states that have built casinos have done so because they needed new revenue, and guess what? It hasn't worked out for them. It hadn't worked out for Illinois. It hadn't worked out for Missouri. It hadn't worked out for Louisiana. It hadn't worked out for Massachusetts. It hasn't worked out for Maryland. Somehow we think Georgia is going to be different from all of these states. They all wanted to save their, their versions of the HOPE scholarships, and the casinos didn't. You know what did happen? Uh, bankruptcies went up. Prostitution went up. Drug use went up. Uh, addiction rates went up. Uh, divorces went up. Um, domestic abuse charges went up. Uh, local businesses went down. Local restaurants declined. Local entertainment venues went out of business. Uh, all, all that stuff happened. I'm not making it up. You can go read it for yourself. Uh, be careful where you go, though, because a lot of these casino companies, they go out, they produce studies that show, no, 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 this happens. Look for the academic or government-funded studies that show you that, yes, in fact, these things happen. Uh, if, if Georgia wants it, they say they just want the right to put it on the ballot. If they put it on the ballot, you and I both know casinos are going to pour money into the state, uh, and it's going to pass. But I've just got to say, it, it seems to me wildly irresponsible for our state legislature to say, hey, you know what, we need new forms of revenue. Uh, let's tax poor people because that's ultimately what the casinos are. Is, is their tax on poor people? And then, you know, what's going to happen is they're going to eventually, when Democrats take back power in the state because the Republicans won't get rid of David Ralston, they're going to raise taxes on all the rest of us to subsidize the poor people who are losing their shirts at the casinos. And it's going to be a vicious cycle that continues from here till the end of time but that's the way republicans think about things well the rnc is turning their spotlight on joe biden's gaffes
1: poor kids are just as bright and just as tall as white kids
0: the bite yeah truth over
1: facts
0: Would you not rejoin the TPP? Wait, wait, he said that? (laughs) Wait, he said, we value truth over facts. Truth over facts. I WOULD NOT REJOIN THE TTP. WHY do THEY
1: DO THAT? YOU HAD PEOPLE LIKE MARGARET Bat, EXCUSE ME, YOU HAD PEOPLE LIKE the, THE
0: FORMER CHAIRMAN. THAT'S WHAT HAPPENED. THOSE KIDS FROM PARKLAND CAME UP TO SEE ME AND I WAS VICE PRESIDENT. THE ISSUE WITH THAT STATEMENT IS JOE BIDEN HAD MOVED OUT OF THE NAVAL OBSERVATORY MORE THAN A YEAR BEFORE. IF YOU
1: AGREE WITH ME, GO TO JOE
0: 30330. HELP ME. That sounds the, the Biden Gaff Factory under construction. <laughs> he actually said that we believe in truth over facts. <laughs> it's it's truthiness, I guess. Oh my goodness. Um poor old Joe Biden. You know, he is a nice guy, but my goodness, he would be a disaster for the country. Um he really would, I think. Uh, I, I think his policies are standard Democratic policies, and I think he would be led by staffers at his age. Uh, Frankly, I I do think that President Trump, to a degree, is being led by his staffers. When he's not led by his staffers, he does crazy things like side with Peter Navarro on, on tariffs. But otherwise, you know, I mean, the man just defunded Planned Parenthood, which is a huge win.